Are you comfortable being uncomfortable with others? I mean, sit down, grab a cup of coffee, hang out, and listen to somebody else's pain, struggle, whatever it might be. Picture this. How about we look at it from this angle? Picture this, a room full of people uh, who are all holding hands. And here I am standing in the middle of them holding hands. I know it's not a COVID social distancing reality, but just picture it with me for a second. And here on my left hand, I'm holding hands with somebody who is really, truly struggling. Somebody is going through a really hard point in their life. They're struggling in their marriage. Maybe they're struggling with their family. Maybe they're struggling with uh, dealing with the realities of, of schooling their kids while they're at home most of the time and at school a little bit and how to balance that plus work. Maybe they're struggling financially during this year. Maybe there have been some health issues that they've been struggling with. And they're standing there and they're unsure of what's next and they're unsure of how to deal with life well in the presence of Jesus, having faith and hope in Jesus in the midst of their current reality. And on my right hand is somebody who is ecstatic about how good life is right now. Uh, they're so thankful because life is so good. Their job's going really well. They just got a pay raise. Uh, their family's doing really well. Their kids are actually succeeding during this weird COVID school year. They're just so grateful for the way that God's been moving in their life and what that looks like for them. And they just want to tell everybody the good news. And here I am right in between these two. And that in between is the normal everyday reality for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who are a part of this thing that we call the church. Rich Volotis is a pastor in New York City, and he says that the same Bible that tells us to rejoice always, uh, to rejoice always has a book called Lamentations. We don't have to choose from one or the other, but good, healthy Christian faith is able to hold multiple tensions together. That's good news. And oh, by the way, my name's Stephen and I'm one of the pastors here. We're really happy that you're here with us on this Thanksgiving weekend and happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope that you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, it may have been a different Thanksgiving, but I hope that it was good. I hope that you got to spend some time with people that you cared about. I hope that you had some good food, uh, that you had a little bit of fun. Maybe you watched the parade, maybe you watched some football, whatever fills your cup a little bit, but I hope that it was a good day. Uh, for Sarah and I and our family, we had a good day. We spent it with Sarah's family, uh, which was really nice. But you know the reality for us this year? Usually what we do for Thanksgiving is we spend it with my family. Usually we either go out to Ohio or we have my family come on out here. And my family's from Ohio and Texas. And so we all come together on Thanksgiving and spend a few days together. That's our normal plan for the holidays. And this year that wasn't a reality. And I missed them. I miss seeing my niece and my nephew, my sisters, my brother-in-law, and my mom. I miss seeing them because I haven't seen some of them since last Thanksgiving, if not even a little bit earlier than that. It's been a long time and I miss them this year. And I realized that many of us have had this same type of reality this, this week. It may have been good, but it wasn't what you would have planned. It wasn't the exact thing that you were hoping for. But I realized for others of us that it was just flat out bad. 
It was sad. It was depressing. Uh, there was uh, difficulties in it for whatever, uh, many reasons probably. But for some of us, that was our reality this week. But where are you living these days? Are you, are you feeling the pain? Are you uh, really happy about all the joy? Or are you somewhere in between? Friends, in community, we live alongside of people who feel both the extremes of lament and the consistency of gratitude. So how do we live in a place that is filled with both lament and gratitude at the same time? Whenever I talk about subjects like this, I go to one of my go-tos, one of my favorites, a, uh, a priest and author named Henry Nouwen, and here's what he has to say. To be grateful does not mean repressing our hurts, but as we come to God with our hurts, honestly, not superficially, something life-changing can slowly begin to happen. We realize that any dance of celebration must weave both sorrows and blessings into one joyful step. How do we live in the midst of both gratitude and lament, of both joy and pain, of both sorrow and blessings. We dance. That's what Nowen encourages us to do. And now you may not be a dancer, so hang with me for a second in this. Me personally, I'm more of a goofy dance party type of dancer than a choreographed, know the steps that you're supposed to take sort of dancer. And this was proven in a recent date night that Sarah and I had, uh, an at-home date night where we tried to do some online salsa classes. But I'll save you that visual. Uh, but we as followers of Jesus are called to dance together, to lead in a dance we join hands with those people around us who are in places of pain and we guide them through the steps of lament to a place of deeper trust in Jesus. We join hands with those who are in a place of joy and we guide them through the steps of gratitude to a place of deeper trust in Jesus. We need to be ready for both dances at all times. The steps may be different. The words that we say may be different, but the place that we're guiding somebody is the same. It's that same place of deep trust in Jesus. It's a place where gratitude and lament can both live side by side. Gratitude isn't about controlling what happens. It's about how we respond to the things that have happened. Lament isn't about controlling what happens. It's about how we respond to those things that have happened. We're ending our series called Unity Being Made One today. And here's my main point that I want us to, to let sink in today. Being unified requires space for you and I to be known. And being known requires space for you and I to process both joy and pain. Being unified requires space for us to be known. And being known requires space to process both joy and pain. Let's talk about how we can learn how to be comfortably uncomfortable together. But first, I want to invite you to pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence here. We ask for you to come and to fill us. And, and I pray for you to enter into our reality right now. Some of us are struggling. And I pray for your comfort, for your peace, for your joy, for your love to fill those places. Others of us are doing well. And I pray for an ability for us to be able to share that joy with others. And yet in the same moment to be able to love on those who aren't at the same place that we are.
We ask for your grace this morning. Come and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3 this morning. So if you have your Bible, open up to chapter 3, 17 through 26. Uh, Lamentations isn't a book that we read from a lot, if we're being honest. Uh, but it's a book filled with lots of good stuff for navigating uh, the things we're going to talk about this morning. So let's look. Verse 17 of chapter 3. Peace has been stripped away and I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I want to pause here real fast because faithfulness, this word that we see repeated here, faithful love, great is his faithfulness. What that's referring to is the persistence of God in relationship with us his people. And this is where we're leading people to a place where we acknowledge where we stand fast in the reality that God is persistently coming after us to a place where his faithfulness is clear and our hope can be found in him. But let's keep going. So I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. I want to look at this in two parts here, the extremes of lament and the consistency of gratitude. And now we don't talk about lament all that much, uh, and that's mostly because we don't like dealing with pain all that much in our culture, if we're being honest. And lament is all about how you deal with your pain, how you deal with the hard stuff. Lament is a type of prayer that's repeated over and over and over again throughout the Bible. And it's a type of prayer that, that acknowledges the reality of life as we know it. It comes from a place of pain. But when you're in pain, you need lament. It helps us to be healthy spiritually as followers of Jesus. Because when we lament, we are crying out in the midst of our pain, our sorrow, our grief, our sin. And we're crying out to a good God who has control over all situations. In lament, we complain with a brutal honesty and we chuck politeness out the window, acknowledging the reality of what's going on inside of us to a God who can take it, who can deal with the reality of how it is that we're feeling. We're not just sitting there in our negativity. We're not just swooshing around and it's, you know, going for a swim in our depressed depression pool, so to speak. But in the place of lament, we are addressing the realities with faithfulness, with confidence in God who has always kept his promises. In lament, we're asking God to do something. We are affirming our trust in his faithfulness, which if you remember, is his persistence in our lives. 
My peace has been stripped away. I've forgotten what prosperity is. My splendor is gone. Everything I hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. That is a prayer of lament from the deepest part of the person praying it, crying out in the midst of their reality. And yet, this is the line that follows that deeply emotional, extreme in some ways prayer. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this, that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. Friends, lament only happens in a place of trust. Let me read Henry Nouwen again. He says, in our suffering, not apart from it, Jesus enters, takes us by the hand, pulls us to stand, and invites us to dance. And as we dance, we realize that we don't have to stay in our little spot of grief, but we can step beyond it. We pull others along with us and invite them into the larger dance. And when we become present to God and God's people, we find our lives richer because our glory is hidden in our pain if we allow God to bring the gift of himself in our experience of pain. Where do we find God in the midst of our pain? It's not outside of it. It's not by pretending that it's not there. It's by diving deep and yet centering ourselves deeply on the truth of who he is. Both are real. What it is that we're feeling and who God is. Both of those can coexist. And lament gives us space to acknowledge that. But honestly, I don't always feel like dealing with my pain in a healthy way. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like lamenting because I don't feel like I have time to sit there and theologically process what it is that's going on inside of my heart. Sometimes I don't feel like I have time to dig deep into my emotions and to deal with them in a healthy, Jesus-centered way. But friends, you do have time. Let me tell you a story I was reminded of this week. When Sarah and I lived in Connecticut a few years ago, we were uh, getting ready to go to an all-day meeting with a consultant uh, with all of our church leaders, the staff and all of our main leaders, the board and so on. And so we had driven two hours away and we had just arrived in the parking lot of this church where we were going to have our meetings at for an all-day Saturday of fun, right? And I got I started getting a bunch of texts and phone calls and it, it was a little bit much. So I actually stopped and, and I took one of the calls. And the calls were to tell me that my godparents had been in a major car accident the night before and that my godmother had actually died almost immediately. And so I'm sitting there getting ready to go into this all-day meeting when just heartbroken in this reality. But as I thought about it this week, I remembered something. I remembered a gift that was given to me in that moment. You see, the people who I had taken the call from were Mike and Jean, and they are like a second set of parents to me and my siblings. And so they had called because they wanted to make sure that I heard it from somebody and didn't just get it through the, the, the text chain or whatever. And so as we sat there and they told me what happened, they didn't put anything on me. They didn't force me to say anything or to act in a certain way or, or to respond. They just let me sit. 
They let me deal with the reality of what I had just heard. They let me grieve. And a couple minutes later, I hung up and I called my godfather and I texted a few other people back. Took a minute or two and then I went into my day of meetings. But I didn't go in feeling like I was repressing my feelings or refusing to acknowledge what, it just, what I had just learned. I went in feeling like Jesus was actually with me. Because Mike and Jean had taken those minutes to guide me to a place of deeper trust in Jesus in that time. Friends, one of the greatest gifts that you can ever give to somebody is to be with them in their place of pain. It takes tremendous humility to not try and solve what's going on in their lives, but instead to sit with them and to allow them to process what it is that's going on, uh, to process their pain, to process their lament, especially when it doesn't feel like God is answering right away. Choosing to dance with someone and, and they're lamenting, guiding them to a place of deeper trust in Jesus. One of the greatest gifts you can ever give to somebody. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. It's striking the 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 back and forth that we see from this author, right? He goes from this extremely negative space to all of a sudden, all the way on the opposite, this extremes that we're walking across in just one little line uh, right here. The extreme of lament to the consistency of gratitude. His language never ending, never ceasing, new every morning. It's good. He's laying out something that's really good. Now, when I mention gratitude, I'm not talking about momentary feelings, although I like those. I like happy moments. I like moments where I can reflect on goodness, good things that have happened, on gifts that people have given to me, on, on things that people have done, and I can smile and I can feel warm and, and cheery inside, and it's all good. I like those. Those are good. But I'm not talking about that right now. In the same way that lament requires action, gratitude requires the same from us. It's an invitation to move from just feeling gratitude to being in a space where we can choose to express gratitude and act out of gratitude. Because in gratitude, we can affirm our trust in God's faithfulness. You know, there was a monk that once said, it's not happiness that makes us grateful, it's gratefulness that makes us happy. I really like that. That's a good one. Of course, any line that starts with a monk once said is probably going to be good, but that's a story for another day. There's a story of a pastor and an author uh, named William Stigger that, that I heard that stuck with me. He was reminded of a teacher that he had one day. His teacher from uh, probably elementary school, I think, uh, who had really instilled in him a love for writing and a love for literature. And it, it impacted him as he chose his vocation way down the line. And as he was reminded of her, he, he thought, I'm going to write her a letter. And so right then and there, he took out some paper, he wrote her a note, and he sent it in the mail. Within a week, he received a reply, another letter from her, and this is what his former teacher said. 
My dear Willie, I'm now an old lady in my 80s, living alone in a small room, cooking my own meals, lonely and seeming like the last leaf of fall left behind. You'll be interested to know that I taught school for 50 years and in all that time, yours is the first note of appreciation I ever received. It came on a cold blue morning and it cheered my lonely old heart as nothing has cheered me in many years. Pastor Willie could have left his gratitude to himself, but instead he expressed it to her and he invited her into the consistency of gratitude. He invited her to feel joy in a way that she hasn't felt it in many, many years. She was invited to experience the goodness of God in the consistency of gratitude. And friends, I know there's a lot of obstacles to gratitude. There's our busyness, for instance, and there's our distractedness on the other hand. We have so many things going on and we forget. Sometimes we think, well, somebody else said thank you, and we just move on by. Uh, we, we assume people know how much they've affected us. Sometimes, honestly, our pride gets in the way and we don't want to acknowledge the fact that maybe somebody helped us quite a bit. And other times, there's just a sense of ingrained negativity in us that blocks us from showing that with others. But friends, one of the greatest gifts you can give to somebody is the gift of gratitude, letting other people be happy with you, letting them uh, join in your joy is a great gift, telling those around you how grateful you are for them. And if you're in a place where you are struggling, if you're in a place of pain, there's no greater gift that you can give to somebody else than being willing to be grateful, joyful, happy with them, even when you are not in a place where your life is filled with joy. Dance the dance of gratitude and guide people to a place of greater trust in Jesus. As I start to land the plane, I think that the book of Lamentations can teach us how can we can be comfortable being uncomfortable with those around us. Listen to this. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Depend, search, wait. I truly believe that the best place that we can be unified, that it requires space for us to be known. Being unified requires space for us to be known, and being known requires space for us to process both joy and pain, because we need the full you, not the filtered view, but the unfiltered view, uh, view of you. We need that. The you who goes from lament to gratitude in a split second. We need to live in a place of such deep trust in Jesus that we can be willing to go with others around us from a place of gratitude to lament in a split second. But how do we live that out? We depend. We depend on Jesus at all times. We are constantly pointing others to trust in Jesus because we live in a place where we are trusting in Jesus because unity comes when we can trust Jesus together. 
We search for Jesus and we don't stop until we find him. Friends, people need for us to be searching for Jesus in their lives. They need others to be looking for him and pointing out where he's moving and what he's doing and how much that he loves them and how much that he doesn't stop loving them. They need us to be those guides along this walk towards him. They need us to keep going so that they can have hope because unity comes when we guide people to Jesus without stopping. And we wait for Jesus to save us. It doesn't always happen right away. So we pray and we stay. We listen and we love because unity comes when our only place of salvation is found in Jesus. So here's my challenge to you this week. Ask one person in your life what their experience was of Thanksgiving this year. Whether it was a place of pain or a place of joy. And then listen. Sit with them in the reality of their story. Dance with them through the dance of gratitude or lament. Guide them to a place of deeper trust in Jesus. Because unity requires space to be known. And being known requires space for you and I to be honest about our joy and our pain. Friends, let me pray this over us. Yet in 2020, I still dare to hope when I remember this, that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Amen.